I'm Afshin Ratansi, and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from Dubai in the UAE. In today's special episode, we're joined again by the overthrown 22nd Prime Minister of Pakistan, Imran Khan. Since we last spoke to him on the show, he's been arrested and released on bail. His arrest was deemed unlawful by the Pakistan Supreme Court, and protests following his arrest led to several deaths and hundreds being detained. Now, under de facto house arrest, he's still awaiting the outcome of scores of legal cases brought against him. Former Prime Minister and Chair of the Pakistan Tariqa Insaf Party. Imran Khan joins me now from Lahore, capital of Punjab province in Pakistan. Thank you so much, uh, former Prime Minister, for coming back uh, on the show. Before we get back to uh, the state of play and what's been happening since you were last on, when we were terrified there was going to be an imminent uh, assassination, I better just ask you because here in the UAE, I mean, the UAE Minister of Economy has gone to St. Petersburg to the uh, International Economic Forum there. People are talking about Russia all over the global south. I noticed you said, is this a solution? Is this a reason for toppling my regime when talking about the uh, uh, Russian crude oil that arrived in Karachi uh, over the, over the uh, past few days? What did you mean by that? Well, you know, the, one of the reasons uh, we felt that uh, General Bajwa, who was then the army chief, uh, one of the reasons was a pretext used was that I was getting too close to Russia and that, uh, you know, we had uh, uh, struck a deal to get cheaper oil and cheaper wheat uh, on my Russian trip. But I think that was just a pretext because the conspiracy was basically that General Bajwa wanted to have an extension and he had already worked out with the, who's the current prime minister, that they had worked out that if... Uh, if my government was removed and his government came in, this current government, then uh, General Bajwa would get an extension. This was behind the, the, the real reason behind the, 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 the conspiracy to remove me. Because you know the Pakistani government says, no, we sent, uh, uh, we sent the petroleum minister Musadik uh, Malik in December to Moscow. Russia rejected his 30 to 40% discount on the crude. It's the present uh, government of Shabazz Sharif who's doing the deals. <laughs> this is not true. I had a long meeting, you know, with President Putin. It was about bilateral issues. One of the things I talked about was that because of the tension, then it wasn't, well, I think that morning, and unfortunately, uh, the Russians moved into uh, Ukraine. But until then, the tension had raised the prices of oil internationally. And that affected countries like us, the developing world. It affected enormously because uh, the, the petroleum imports are such a large part of our imports that it up upsets our balance of payments. So therefore, it, it, it raises, it causes in huge inflation in our countries, which pushes people below the poverty line. So uh, when I spoke to that to President Putin, he then sent his energy minister to talk to our energy minister to strike out a deal to have discounted oil. But the moment we got back, a uh, few days later, there was a vote of no confidence and, and really the, the whole thing went out of the window. We were, in, in a couple of weeks, our government was removed. You're not going to tell us the discount because I know that the 40% figure, which I think is being bandied around Pakistan, has been rejected by uh, uh, the Russians. No, I, well, it, I, I didn't say... Uh, India got apparently 40% discount, but, I mean, we just spoke about a discount that was things were going to move forward from then onwards. But 
the moment we came back, the you know the no confidence portion came, and then everything went on hold because then it was a question of uh, the government surviving. Yeah, I mean, uh, we did talk a little bit last time about uh, the U.S. role in your being deposed as prime minister. I, I think uh, maybe our audience wants to know that I, I didn't realize so. On the 20th of June, 2021, you made a statement saying Pakistan will not allow the CIA or U.S. Special Forces to base themselves inside this country ever again, verbatim. And what, in 10 months later, you were out. Are these two events uh, connected? Well, look, you know, uh, there was, there's a history to that. Pakistan participated in the U.S. war on terror, which is after 9-11. And in that war, 80,000 Pakistanis died. And not just that, I mean, over $100 billion lost to the economy because Pakistan became the epicenter of terror. We had bombs going over, all over the place. We had suicide attacks. But the state was trying to uh, save itself. So my point was that Pakistan should not get involved in conflicts of, of other countries. My point is that the top priority of a Pakistani leader, prime minister, should be to protect its vulnerable people. And we have 100 million people who are vulnerable, 50 below the poverty line, 50 just above it. So if you are involved in a conflict, how can you protect uh, the interest of your own people? And always the conflict, the conflict causes poverty. And in our case, in this, in the war on terror for 15 years, which Pakistan participated, I mean, we had, no investor would come to Pakistan. But clearly, the CIA, clearly the CIA are working with the ISI now, are they, or, or aren't they? Because ever since the fall of Kabul and the absurd evacuation, that the, the lethal evacuation of the United States, where's the Islamist terrorism gone in Pakistan? Let alone across the Middle East. It all seems to have, uh, and peace is breaking out, of course, in this region. Why is it, since the United States are focused on Ukraine, it's all disappeared, arguably? There is still some terrorism in Pakistan, of course. No, well, actually, there's very little terrorism in Pakistan. We had a bit of terrorism when the, the Pakistani Taliban who were in Afghanistan, after the fall of Kabul, they then were the... the, the the Afghan government made them relocate back to Pakistan. So there was a bit, there is a bit of terrorism. I mean, I, I, I can't say there is zero terrorism, but that's because our government has taken the eye off the ball. I mean, if we were in government, we would have rehabilitated them. We would have spent time and money to make sure that they got rehabilitated back. Do you think society. it's connected, the U.S. focus on Kiev and the sudden decline in so-called Islamist terrorism? Well, you know, the, the, the war on terrorism created terrorists. I mean, in Pakistan, I mean, look, I have made statements and interviews over the 15 years when uh, we were participated in this war on terror. I kept saying that the more actions you took against the, uh, take against the militants, more collateral damage, because, you know, there was no army they were fighting. These were civilians. So, for instance, there were... 450 drone attacks in Pakistan. Now, these drone attacks, it's the only time a country has been bombed by its own ally. But the drone attacks, remember, they were in villages. 
and in, in a, a in a, a what I call the tribal areas adjacent to uh, uh, Afghanistan. And so when a bomb explodes in a in a village, there's a lot of collateral damage, and collateral damage created militants. Uh, I have no doubt that even in Afghanistan, the Afghan Taliban gained from collateral damage caused by night raids and drone attacks in the in Afghanistan. Same happened in Pakistan's tribal area. The more the drone attacks, the more collateral damage, the more militants. So, but in difference was in Pakistan, they avenged themselves against Pakistan's security forces. So both sides, Pakistanis were dying. Well, so at least Pakistani security forces aren't bearing as much uh, uh, of the brunt of uh, this type of terror nowadays. What's happening uh, to you? Because we thought that there was an imminent prospect of your assassination. You've been shot, you're injured. I don't know how you're healing. And now you were detained and uh, can you leave your house right now? Well, look, since we last spoke, uh, well, I had had one uh, assassination attempt. And then since we last spoke after that, on the 18th of March, I had another assassination attempt. And then there was another one a few days later, which I preempted because I was informed beforehand that there was going to be a false flag operation where there were people from, they, they had people inducted within uh, within our, my own party members and they would have, uh, uh, they would have uh, shot some policeman and then the police would have come to kill me. And why is my life in danger? Because according to all opinion polls, we will sweep the elections. So this is the election year. Well, you, you know that, but you know that uh, Mariam Sharif, the daughter of uh, the uh, Panama Papers Prime Minister, arguably, Nawaz Sharif, who is protected in London, I don't know, British authorities are protecting him. Uh, Mariam uh, claimed uh, your party could fit into one rickshaw. Well, if that was the case, then uh, they shouldn't be worried about elections. Already the government, her government, the Supreme Court had ordered elections according to the Constitution on the 15th of May of Punjab, the biggest province, 60% of Pakistan. The government refused. Out of 37 by-elections, PTI, my party, has swept 30 of them. So if, if the party fits in a, in a small place, why are they so scared of elections? Yeah, but on the other hand, you did get bail, and surely Shabazz Sharif is correct in that it's only the present Pakistani government that changed the bail uh, remand period from 90 days, which it was under your government, to 15 days, which is why you're free to talk to me right now. No, that's not true. You only... the re, it, I wasn't on remand. The Supreme Court ruled that my, the, my arrest was unlawful. That's why I got out. I think what the Prime Minister was uh, getting at was things were pretty tough under your... Uh, prime Ministership in Pakistan for journalists, for the media, for, uh, well, for the economy, actually. It is the biggest nonsense. You know, first of all, economy. All you have to do is look at the economic survey of Pakistan published by this government. Our economy was booming a year ago. It was growing at 6%, and it is in the economic survey of Pakistan. And our industry... Our industry was growing, our agriculture... In you you borrowed from the IMF. Afshin, you must understand. 17 years, the government had the best economic performance. 
plus the handling of COVID, we were the top three countries which handled COVID-19 the best. So that's nonsense. And secondly, how can anyone compare what happened in my three and a half years to virtually a martial law in Pakistan right now? This complete media, my name is not allowed to be uttered on media. Forget about appearance. The, the, the judiciary, the judiciary passes a verdict, the, the government doesn't listen to it. We now are becoming a banana republic. You can't even compare what happened between what was happening in my time and this one, this government. A former Prime Minister, I'll stop you there. More from the 22nd Prime Minister of Pakistan and the chairman of the PTI, Imran Khan, after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with overthrown Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan. You see, even though you're there, you've been detained, you've been shot at, uh, you face assassination uh, threats, Pakistan seems to be on the global stage while, of course, I think the government itself recognizes the terrible economic hardship, increasing hardship of the population of Pakistan. They're doing deals with China, with Russia, with BRICS. They're going to be, Pakistan is going to be no doubt represented in South Africa at the BRICS summit without you. Uh, presumably you would want it to join Pakistan to join uh, BRICS, would you? Or uh, obviously there's a certain element of not wanting Pakistan in BRICS because while China might uh, clearly, it may reduce the power of BRICS because India would stop participating. Look, you know, international relationship, uh, my, my opinion is very straightforward. Pakistan became part of the Western Bloc during the Cold War. And so, you know, we, uh, we were cut off from Russia and all the, all the, all the uh, Soviet Union bloc. India, on the other hand, had a non-aligned foreign policy. So they, they, uh, they, they weren't part of a bloc. Right now, again, India is, is a part of the Quad, which is the special relationship with the U.S. in, in that uh, alliance. And yet it, it, it trades with Russia. It is trading with China. I mean, that's how countries should have the foreign policy should be for the benefit of their own people. You spoke to us Whenever a little about it last time. I don't know country. whether you want to join the BJP, but you did speak to us about how you think a non-aligned policy like uh, the one Modi is following is the correct path. Well, no, it, it is in, India's non-aligned policy has been since, since inception, since 75 years. And so Modi is basically following that policy. But my point is that countries should, the foreign policy should be for the benefit of their own people. When you become part of blocks or when you become part of a conflict, like Pakistan became part of the Afghan Jihad, we paid a heavy price. We had 5 million refugees here. We had Kleshnikov, we had drugs flowing in here. And, and, mili and sectarian militancy in Pakistan as a result of that, uh, first joining the Afghan Jihad, then we've joined the war on terror. 80,000 Pakistanis were killed. So my point is, countries, Pakistan, top priority is to get people out of poverty. It should not. Do you think BRICS is the way for that? BRICS is the way forward for that because obviously the United States has various issues with the BRICS bank, uh, let alone Chinese uh, foreign economic policy. 
the problem is we have the US-China rivalry right <clears throat> And that is a problem because, you know, it, it's, you have to navigate between them. But I mean, China is Pakistan's neighbor. It is the fastest growing economy. So we have to have good relationship with China. We always have had for 70 years. Why didn't you borrow yet, the money from the BRICS bank instead of the Washington IMF when you were prime minister? Well, uh, you know, we didn't have that option, I'm afraid, then. We were already in an IMF program when I became the prime minister. And, you know, we, we really had no choice but to go to the IMF. Okay, I know that there's some in the opposition uh, that might uh, reject that. Any reaction that you know of from, uh, to the letter, Congressman Brad Sherman in the United States has warned the U.S. government that uh, there's a deteriorating situation in Pakistan. Every time the question is asked at the State Department briefings, they go, well, you know, it's an internal matter, what's happening to Imran Khan and what's happening to the people of Pakistan and what's happening about the oil uh, shipments from Moscow, even. Um, any did Blinken reply to Congressman Bad Sherman, as far as you understand, or has he ignored the letter? You might have to t explain what the letter well, was. Well, I think you're talking about the U.S. Uh, spokesman. Yeah, Congressman, Congressman Brad Sherman has written to Blinken at the State Department saying, you know, what on earth is going on uh, in Pakistan as regards democracy, as regards the imprisoning of your party members and leaders, let alone uh, what's happening to you? Well, look, you know, I don't care what this, you know, if they don't comment about what's happening to me. And frankly, I think Pakistan's internal matters, eventually we will have to solve it, solve our problems. But my only point is, you know, how come the Western countries talk about what is happening in Taiwan, what's happening in, uh, in Hong Kong, about the Uyghurs in China, and about Russian human rights issues. So is it only our human rights only uh, and democracy important when it comes to rivals? Should it not be consistently across the board that if your professed aims are democracy and human rights, then should it be wherever they are violated, then they should speak out? Because Pakistan right now, the worst human, right, human rights violations are going on in Pakistan right now. What did you make of the cryptic comments coming from the uh, present government in Pakistan? I mean, I don't know what you made of uh, Rana uh, Sanullah, the interior minister, saying either Imran Khan or us will get murdered. What does that mean? Because, you know, he's, he's, he's a known killer. I mean, his own party he says that, that he's killed 18 people. He's murdered 18 people. And uh, so, you know, you, he's a small-time crook. So to expect... Well, he would deny that, but what does he him? mean? Does he mean that there is a possibility that you're going to get through these 150 corruption charges come out again in time for the election? What does he mean? What he means is that if, I, if there are elections that I win, then someone like a crook like him will be in trouble. I think that's what he means. Uh, because, I mean, problem in Pakistan right now is that we do not have rule of law. In other words, there are people, powerful crooks are above law. And the majority of the population has no access to justice. They don't have, no one protects their fundamental rights. Hence, I started my movement for justice 27 years ago. But why did so many, I mean, you talk about media, which without a free media, they, no country can call itself democratic. The numbers of journalists that went missing 
when you were prime minister, I mean, why, where did they all go? I know at the moment Imran Riaz Khan is missing since the 11th of May. I don't know if you have any update on uh, where he's gone. But I have a list of journalists here who went missing while you were, uh, you were there. You know, whatever views they hold, Najam Sethi, Nusrat Javed, Salim Safi, uh -huh. Majula Jan, Absar Alam, Mirsaki, what happened to all these people? Let me just say clearly, the journalists that went missing had nothing to do with my government, had everything to do with the, with, with the uh, military establishment because we were coming out of the war on terror, uh, you know, and, and during war on terror, you know, the military was very sensitive to journalists criticizing them. So we had, you know, they, they would pick up people. But believe me, my government never went after any journalist. And right now, you can't compare what happened then. One of our best investigative journalists, Arshad Sharif, was hounded out of the country and murdered in Kenya. I mean, three of our top journalists have left the country. They're out of the country because they feared for their life. And every, the whole media, there's a total clampdown. So you cannot compare what happened during our time and, and, and this total fascism which is going on right now. Are there parallels with Donald Trump then? People uh, said, uh, people think Donald Trump would win a US election. He's being banned from different media. His uh, uh, recent uh, talk, he was, he was doing a rally and it wasn't broadcast on CNN and uh, MSNBC and other channels, just on Fox News. You can't get your uh, rallies broadcast on normal Pakistani channels. He, of course, tried to negotiate with Putin. You were talking to Putin. Uh, are there parallels between you and Trump? Trump riding high in the opinion polls in the United States, and according to you, you are the favored uh, candidate at any future Pakistani election. It's not according to me. It's in all the opinion polls in Pakistan. Plus, I mean, if you want evidence, a party uh, wins 80% of the by-elections. So it's obviously, you know, it is right now... Uh, probably the most popular party in our history. Now, coming to this uh, comparison, it's a bit different. The, the sort of cases I'm facing, I mean, if those cases were, uh, if, if they tried to uh, 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 put those cases on Donald Trump, people would laugh in the US. I mean, how could, how could I have committed nine criminal offenses when I was in jail for four days? How could I have committed 40 terrorist uh, attempt. I am on 40 charges of terrorism. I mean, how can it be possible? So if, imagine if they tried to put a terrorism case on Donald Trump, people would, you know, make mincemeat of the government if they ever did that. So you can't compare what is happening there to Donald Trump and what is, what is happening here. I mean, I've been charged for murder. Do you know, I don't even know the guy. There's some lawyer who, got, who gets killed in, 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 in a remote town and I'm charged for murder. When his wife says that it is a family feud, his son has nominated some other people, yet the government has charged me for his murder. So it's, what is happening here is ridiculous. Well, do you want, do you want to be prime minister again? I know you said recently that you wouldn't uh, uh, tell anyone uh, who aspires to politics to go into politics in Pakistan again. You want to be prime minister again? I would, you know, I was asked a question, I mean, about politics as a career. I said I would not even wish it on my enemies. I mean, if my sons ever said they wanted to enter politics as a career, it is the worst career to have, and especially for people who can do other things.
I guess people who can't do anything would go into politics. But politics has a mission. You know, like uh, our founding father, uh, Jinnah, or like Nelson Mandela, or like uh, Gandhi in India. I mean, when it is a mission, it is completely different. For me, someone who had everything, who was the biggest name in the country, I, I didn't need to be in politics. But I realized that unless we have rule of law, which we didn't because we have an elite cup capture in this country, a small elite has, is above law and it's captured the resources. So unless you have rule of law, a level playing field, I always felt our country had no chance. Yes, but when you were in power, when you were in, when you were in power, I mean, this is what assassinated Benazir Bhutto's uh, uh, son, Bilawal, now uh, the foreign minister of Pakistan, said that you were only too happy when those anti-democratic, he implied the anti-democratic elite captures you describe it, forces were supporting you. You were fine with that. It's only when they don't like you that you are now criticizing them, these elite capture he is people. Talking, he is talking absolute rubbish. It was the first time that we started probe against the big mafias, like the sugar mafia, like the petroleum mafia. It's never happened in my country before. The problem was that the army chief, if he vetoed anything, you could do anything. And he did not allow me to get the other mafias under the rule of law because he was connected with them. I mean, he, he was friendly with the political mafias. So he, and he had a veto on this because he was all powerful. So, so what I, to, to correct you, to bring the powerful under the rule of law, you need a strong government. My government was a coalition government, weak, which did not have the majority. So whenever I would uh, touch a mafia, I would have problem keeping my majority. And so therefore, my conclusion is that you can only, if you want reforms and you want to bring people under the rule of law, you cannot do it unless you come up with a proper majority, you know, a proper majority. In well, you think you are, you enough. think you would get one right now. So just very briefly, will you be running if all this court action manages to wrap uh, up before the next election in Pakistan? Will you run for prime minister? Well, of course, this is the election year. I mean, my party is all, all poised for the election. But what, the, uh, what is happening is, that the other team is so scared of losing that they want either a technical knockout, so me going in through, knock me out through a military court, because the civil courts cannot knock me out because the case is all bogus. So now they want military courts to actually uh, disqualify me or put me in prison, uh, which again will be, will be a big farce. But of course, my party is poised to win the elections whenever they are, because... It's just that the public opinion never has the public stood with any one party as it stands today, which is all the 12 parties together are scared of uh, competing against us. Former Prime Minister Imran Khan, thank you. And that's it for the show. We'll be back on Monday with Ibrahim Hashem, Asia Global Fellow at the Asia Global Institute on the future of multipolarity and strengthening Arab-China relations. Meanwhile, you can keep in touch via all our social media if it's not censored in your country and head to our channel, Going Underground TV on Rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you Monday.